0: This is Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Streaming nationwide on the 710 Sports app and 710sports.com.
2: Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. To the show, 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 show. Michael Bumpus is sitting in for Danny O'Neill. One of the unfortunate parts about being a superstar athlete, and I know. Imagine saying that there are unfortunate parts about it is that everything is out in the open. Everything. The good, which is great, I would imagine to an extent, though you might get sick of it after a while, but also the bad. In the case of this Richard Sherman arrest, I am curious as to what people think about just the actual coverage of it. Obviously, we've been talking about it for pretty much the entirety of this morning's show for much of last morning's show as well. It is something, clearly, that is of great interest to others. Should it be? It's weird. You know, it's, it's someone's personal life. It's not what they're doing on the football field. And we're talking about a guy who is a Seahawks legend but isn't a Seahawk anymore. He isn't a San Francisco 49er. It's this weird spot where I do empathize with somebody who, maybe not in the case of Richard Sherman, in that he is, I think, responsible for a lot of what took place here. But for everybody else that's around him to get dragged out into it when they didn't necessarily ask for that, That is unfortunate, and that's obviously what we saw yesterday with Ashley Moss and uh, the wife of Richard Sherman in her phone call to the 911 to police, which if you haven't heard, you can check it out. The Cairo News has it up on Twitter. It's it's hard to listen to, though. I will tell you that, not just because the dispatcher is terrible.
0: If you and I were to get into a situation and something like this happened, the public can hear it, right? It's not just Richard Sherman because he's famous that... The public has access to the 911 calls and all these you have the details. access to
2: everybody. Right. But yeah. are you going to be looking for somebody who you
0: don't no, recognize? You're not. That's the thing. You're not because people don't care about us the way they care about Richard Sherman. And I think that just comes with the territory as a young athlete you get praise. They love you. You get special privileges. You get benefits. Like there are things, if you can provide a service, especially athletically that no one else can provide and you're good at it, there are going to be perks to it. But there are also some downfalls like this, like having your wife's 911 call be out to the public, everyone all in your business. You, you wrecked your car, you went to a home, you got all these allegations and stuff that that comes with the territory. Unfortunately. And you can choose to get defensive. Why are they coming after me, you know? Why are they loving you? Why are they cheering your name on Sundays, you know? Because you are popular. <laughs> you are noticeable. People love you. People are interested in you. It just comes with the territory. It's it's messed up in a way because I think this stuff should be private, right? They shouldn't right. have all this stuff out there. But it's not like it's it's just out there because it's Richard Sherman any of us, if people wanted to dig in and see if we got in any trouble or not could find stuff out.
2: The public records are there and the public records are there in a way where, too, I mean look, Richard Sherman put his family in this situation and obviously we're hoping that he and his family get the absolute most help that they possibly can so that they can get things back on track and that everybody can, you know, just get back to living life normally as opposed to um, where it's at right now, where I think there are a lot of people who are empathizing with Richard Sherman? But there's a lot of other people too who are saying, "Hey, you're the guy that was on first take telling Skip Bayless that like I, I'm better at life than you," you know, and and also maybe he's held to a higher standard because of how intelligent he is, how well spoken he is, and also because of just how opinionated he's been, specifically on a lot of matters that people have been uncomfortable with. That is just a dynamic of why I think some people are reacting in a certain way to it. I don't like the wolves and the vultures who are circling around. I mean, what happened was bad. What happened is his fault. But these people that seem to feel validated that he had this slip up, I, I don't. I don't know what their problem is. It's. It strikes me as petty in a way that I can't explain the actual reason for said pettiness.
0: Some people just love to hate, man. They hate.
2: I mean I'm a hater, but I mean when something like this, it's a little bit different, isn't it?
0: It should be. It should be. But it isn't to some people. Some people like love seeing the downfall, right? Some people love seeing people at the top of the mountain and then seeing them crumble. They find some satisfaction in that. I don't know if it's jealousy. I don't know if I don't know what it is because I just can't relate to that. I don't care who you are, if you're not a criminal and you're like hurting kids or hurting women or just being uh just disruptive in every situation, man, I-, I wish the best for you. Even if I don't agree with the way you move. You know, there's some dudes I- that I- I've I've seen do business and I'm like, I wouldn't move like that, but I'm not gonna knock you because that's just how you do your things. As long as you're a good person, um, I got nothing against you, man. And what we know
2: of Richard Sherman, at least publicly, is that that's, that's what he was. All the things that he did for the community here, whether you were turned off by just how opinionated he was about the way that things were run here with the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, which honestly, at this offseason, I feel like I have seen things Richard Sherman's way on that front a little bit more than I ever had with all my confusion that I'd had in the past. But this is a guy who now has a lot of things to answer. And for those who don't know, I I do want to fill you in on all the facts that we have, a brief timeline of what took place. So late Tuesday night, we're not sure of the time here, there was a 911 call made by his wife where she said that Richard Sherman, after getting through finally to the dispatcher, had threatened to kill himself, had sent text messages to people saying he's going to hang himself, that if the police show up, he'd try to fight them. He drove away during this call. You can hear Ashley say, stop, Richard. There was apparently a physical altercation with his uncle before that, and he had two bottles. He had drank two bottles of hard liquor, both vodka and Hennessy. His wife expressed concern that he might go to her parents' home in Redmond. We're not 100% sure what caused this entire situation. She did not go into details about that with the 911 call. A little bit later, there's a second 911 call, a male voice makes said call, and Ashley, Richard's wife, had started following Richard by car. The uncle was following her to make sure that she was safe. They thought that they had hidden all the keys from Richard. He found one anyway. He was driving over the center line. He stopped in the middle of the road to cut her off. So he was driving dangerously. And per the male voice, he was suicidal. So we have two people that were saying that they had heard these kind of thoughts that were coming out of him. Perhaps that is something that he had been grappling with. Really, we can't really know. I will say that as someone who has, first off, just seen people who have been drunk say things that are maybe a little bit melodramatic. Maybe, and I'm hoping that this is the case, maybe this is just something that was coming out of his mouth because it sounds like he was rather intoxicated. Um, But, I mean, for all we know, this is also something that's been going on for a while, and this was actually a serious cry for help of some sorts. But anyway, Sherman told her, and this is also pretty damning on Sherman's part, if the kids aren't in the car, he was going to hurt her while they're driving. Continuing the timeline, 126, Washington State Police received a 911 call about a possibly impaired driver after Sherman drove his SUV into a closed active construction zone. Thankfully, no one was hurt. There were people there, and an actual worker made a call about that. 149, Redmond Police responded to a 911 call of a burglary in progress. They found Sherman outside a residence that belongs to Sherman's wife's parents. It's about three miles from the exit. And at 6.08, after a confrontation with police that saw a canine unit involved, where at first things were amicable, but as Sherman was told he was going to be arrested, things got a little bit more heated. A canine unit was set on him, jumped on him. He was arrested, taken to jail, booked at 6.08. Before that, taken to a hospital to treat the injuries to his leg. And those injuries to his leg were from the canine. They also drew blood. So we'll be able to determine and... uh, the state troopers will be able to determine whether or not he was legally intoxicated. So those are all the facts about what we know right now in the charges. Burglary, domestic violence. No one sustained injuries. This is basically because he was trying to go into a place that was the occupants of residence. He, he knew them. Uh, it was family. But he did not gain entry, and he was resisting arrest. There's malicious mischief because of the damage to the front door, and there's possible misdemeanor DUI hit and run. That's at least what the police said during the conversation yesterday that they had with the media. So I know some are theorizing it might be felony, at at least based off of the information available to us. It sounds like that's where it is. And that's where we're at, Michael Bumpus. So uh, yeah, that's a long list of everything that's going on with Richard Sherman. And very clearly, he is in trouble right now. And you think about what's next, obviously, for him. But the most important thing for someone like this and his family is that he's going to get the necessary help when he gets out of the tank, which I would imagine would be post-2.30 this afternoon.
0: Man, that was a long night for Richard, sure man. Sure was. Long, eventful night. I wonder if he even remembers it. I mean, if the if it's true that he drank two bottles of whatever, man, I mean, it changes you. It really does. I mean, if you, if you drank at all, you are not the same person and sober as you are when you're intoxicated. Now imagine having two bottles. Now make, again, not make an excuse, but that's what it is. He made a poor decision by drinking a lot. And I'm sure it influenced every decision that he made that night, including, um, resisting arrest, which I feel like if Richard was in his right mind and he had done something wrong and he was about to be arrested, he'd chalk it up, turn around, slap the cuffs on, and I'll fight this in the morning. But, um, this is lessons learned, man. Lessons learned. And if you haven't been in that situation, man, use this as an example. to n- Don't ever get in that situation. Obviously, your stuff isn't going to be blasted on the radio and on TV. But um, learn from others' mistakes. And um, I'm sure Richard will do that. Man, I pray that he does that. I think he's smart enough to learn from this. And it sounds like he has good people around him because even after all that went down, him swerving in front of his wife saying, look, if the kids weren't with you, this would happen. She's still there for him. She's still standing by him. So that lets you know that he's done way more good in his life than this horrible situation.
2: I agree on that front. And, and I've drank, I drink a lot from time to time. And I know that I've had every now and then moments where I've needed to have an honest conversation with myself. If... I'm helping myself out. And Bob, you shared earlier, you know, when your playing career was over that you were going through some things like that. It's alcohol is, it's, it's really dangerous. And while it can give you a really good time, there is, there is a point where you got to realize just how much of an impact it is having, not just on you, but on those around you. I mean, I, I, I think it's something that you, have a difficult time seeing unless someone's going to call you out on it now at the very least we do know that there were some concern that was about Richard Sherman in the weeks leading up to this Ian Rapoport was on the NFL Network and he had this to say about Sherman's support group and their conversations with him trying to get him back on the right track One other thing I want to mention, there was a somewhat disturbing 911 call where Richard Sherman and his wife allude to some of the personal troubles that he is currently going through. My understanding is his close friends have been well aware of this and actually visited Sherman's house on a couple different occasions this offseason to try to intervene and and help Richard Sherman deal with what he's dealing with personally. Uh, Obviously, the the culmination of this was this incident that we are hearing about now so clearly there was concern already and add this into the mix this from earlier this year which is surprising and noteworthy and definitely screams okay there's something serious potentially going on behind the scenes here but the king county sheriff's office obtained an extreme risk protection order against sherman earlier this year to bar him from possessing firearms, according to court records. If you actually listen to the 911 call mailed made by the um, male voice, which we presume to be the uncle, he has asked, hey, does is, does he have a uh, weapon? Does he have a, uh, a firearm? And he did not. He had a knife. I think it was a kitchen knife. So there had been a protective order to keep him away from having a gun. And honestly, that would be the absolute last thing that anyone needed would be a drunk Richard Sherman to have a pistol on him because this could have ended so much worse in a variety of different ways.
0: What does it sound like? Sounds like a guy who needs some help. Yeah. When it comes down to it. It sounds like he's fortunate enough to get out of this situation and not hurt himself or anybody else. Seriously, I believe the officer had minor injuries. He had minor injuries. But it sounds like a guy who needs some help. This could have ended differently differently. and And we probably wouldn't have the compassion that we have for this dude if someone was seriously injured, or even worse than that, so he's lucky, man. He's a, he's a lucky dude. Even after all that stuff, mm-hmm. even after the crash and the, the going to the the in laws' house and all this stuff, he is still a lucky man, and um, he has to remember that. He has to realize that, and just work on himself. That's the main thing. And you talked about it. Like, who's gonna call you out? Yeah. You know, when I when I was going through my phase in my mid to early 20s and I'm depressed and I'm drinking and I don't know what I'm doing, man, my wife <laughs> sat me down and called me out like, look, what are you doing? You're going to ruin your life. And because she was my partner and what she says holds weight, it meant something to me. So I would assume that wife is going to have that same conversation with them, maybe uh, even deeper than that. And you have to accept it as the person on the wrong side of, of the deal, right? You have to accept mm-hmm. it. and. And be honest, that's the hardest part is looking at yourself like, damn, man, I'm really that guy right now. Yeah. You know, can I accept this and, and can I heal from this and move on? I'm really thankful that things did not go down worse
2: than they could have. No one got hurt. I think that's really important to note here, not to say that that takes fault away from what took place. But I also look at this as something since we are talking about it as a learning experience for anyone who might be listening, whether it's you and maybe you're having issues right now with your own drinking, or maybe there's somebody in your life that you feel like is going down a path. Those conversations are difficult, but those conversations are sometimes necessary. And, you know, Bump, I'm sure you're so thankful that your spouse stepped in there. I know that I have had conversations with friends of my own about some of the times that I have gone way off the deep end as well. Um, It's important to have people in your circle I'm hoping that Richard Sherman will have those people in his circle, both his friends and his family, who can help him get back on the right track. He is very, very lucky. He should be thankful for that. And one of the things that... you know, I I consider Danny like an older brother on this show. One of the many things that I've learned from Danny in my almost two years working with him is that there are things that you do need to be grateful for. And like You write that down at the end of the day, and it makes you have a little bit of a different perspective when you go to bed. I, I try to do that. I don't always follow through on it. But it helps, and I hope at the very least that even though you know, he's going to be facing a lot, that Richard Sherman is thankful that this thing did not go in the way that it could have gone, which could have been so much worse than what it was. It's Danny and Gallant. Michael Bumpas is sitting in for Danny O'Neill. Time to go around the NFL with more Adule. It it's time
0: to go around the NFL. The bottom line on the biggest stories in the NFL every morning at 9.15 with Danny and Galant.
1: Today's an exceptional day.
2: <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I don't really feel like doing it today. I probably shouldn't have anyway. More Dually, what's up? Sports, NFL, football. Sports. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. I was going to say, yeah, this is a, a transition into much lighter-hearted topics, but you guys are doing a very good job. Thank discussing you. Discussing this situation today. Thank you very much. Um, so yes, like I said, this story is, is much more lighthearted, but we'll, we'll shift to that. Cause sometimes, you know, you need to break it up a little bit. Yes. we have been talking about Please. things today. Yes. Uh,
2: also Jared Kelnick, he's coming
3: to the majors. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey. Uh, we heard a little bit of him on a keep to leave podcast yesterday talking about the <sighs> easiest receivers to face. Uh, apparently he <laughs> also talked about, um, just basically how, he, even if he has respect for an opponent, the week that he's going to play them, he's like, I don't like you. Um, and so Apparently in his next-level trolling, the week that they're about to play Russell Wilson, he has the entire team listen to Future. You know, <laughs> the, the rapper that uh, wow. noted Sierra X. Uh, I'll, let, I'll let him take it from here.
1: Like, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, say, say, for, and I got nothing but respect for, for, for Russ, Russell, and the Seahawks. Nothing but respect for him. But say we play in Seattle, I'm going to listen to Future all week. And the DBs and the team, that's what we're going to listen to at practice, Future all week. Just a mindset, man. I really think like football is a is a is a competitive, vicious, like sport, and I want to keep it that way. Yeah. And I want to get in that mindset of like, yo, we we really don't like. Even if I know you into this game over with, or I know the game is over with, or out of hand, I don't like you. So I'm getting in a mindset where it's like, yo, you, again. That's really how I feel. It's going down. It's going down. So. Whatever I can do to get me in that mindset and my teammates in that mind.
2: There's nothing quite like an outspoken corner. And that's one of the reasons that we love Richard Sherman the way that we do. But also, I mean, I I can't help but love Jalen Ramsey, even if he is on the Rams. <laughs> that's really funny. That is really, really funny. This guy does not care. And, uh, you know, Deion Sanders was like this way back in the day, too. That's, that is really funny. And I, you know what, Bob? We, we both we're old school in this regard. We like yeah. it when guys dislike each other on the field.
0: Yeah, I'm with it. You're supposed to. You know, he shows respect for Russ before the game and after the game. But when we're competing, I'm preparing to play against you. Man, you got to get in a in a state mentally that most people don't know. Man, I let me tell you guys. If you've never stepped on a college field or NFL field, when you step on that field, and you can't flip that switch, whether you're on offense or defense, don't matter if you're hitting guys or being hit. If you can't flip that switch and, and tap into that little bit of crazy, you're going to get exposed out there. And even the dudes who tap in, I thought I could tap in. I only played two years. You know what I mean? Like, you have to get into that mode. It's petty. I love it. After the game, he's going to shake Russ's hand and say it's all good. It's all It's all about the game, and I'm personal.
2: We got to come back to this in flags because you are, you are so chill. I just can't imagine you talking yourself like into hating somebody on the field. Like, I feel like you would just be like, "Okay, okay, sure, sure." Well, it wasn't. It wasn't outward. It's yeah. all internal. Internal. You know I mean? Okay. Yeah, it's all internal. We need to go back to this later on. I, I want to hear internal pump versus real pump. You <laughs> like uh, Barack Obama's anger translator?
0: <laughs> What's up, Thanks, Laura? All
3: right, I'm gonna skip. The other story we had and go to this one because it's a little shorter. We're short on time here, but uh, Cam Newton uh, was on ESPN this morning. talked about his time at the Patriots. had a had a very opposite description of Cassius Marsh, but he also thinks that he uh, owes them a little bit better of a performance this year.
1: You know, for me, you know, the Patriots organization has been, you know, impeccable. You know, with the also with the addition of uh, you know Patricia, you know, he's been great as well. You know, just so my time has been there, it's just been, you know, everything I could have asked for. You know, I guess it's now, you know, time for me to to uphold my end of the bargain.
2: He's saying all the right things, and there's a reason that he's still on that roster. He's saying all the right things, and Belichick loves everything about him, probably except for his level of play. They're trying to move back to an offense that's going to be more intermediate this year. That's why they brought in the tight ends. And in the past, that has worked out for Newton, but Bump, that shoulder's gone,
0: isn't it? It's gone, man. He's throwing footballs in the dirt, and and he knows he's not the same. He knows he's not, what, 2015? Was that the year he won MVP? Oh, a I long mean, time he, ago. He knows he's not the same cam, so how do you help this team? By being a professional. If he was the same guy in 2015, dabbing and doing the Superman and doing all this extra stuff, and you're not playing well, he knows that's not conducive to keeping your job, especially in New England you got to be a pure professional out there. That's what he's doing. I'm happy to see that. He might have bought three or four more years in the league just being a backup by the way he's handling himself in New England.
2: He has been exceptionally mature, no doubt about that. Michael Bumpus, Paul Gallant, Danny and Gallant, 7'10", ESPN Seattle. So what's next for Richard Sherman? Is he going to be able to do the things that we were hoping to maybe see him do, whether it be with the Seahawks again or... Maybe a career in media. Are all those things now gone? We'll talk about that and more information as it comes to us right here, 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: You're listening to Danny and Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On 710 ESPN
0: Seattle.
3: Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant.
2: Gallant. Michael Bumpus in for Danny O'Neill, Seahawks cornerback, former Seahawks cornerback, all-time Seahawk. Richard Sherman, of course, was arrested yesterday for burglary, domestic violence, and other charges have been uh, levied against him. Where we'll see if it causes if it causes potentially him to see any uh, serious penalties, whether that be jail time or something like that. Whatever the case, his life has dramatically changed and. That's all it takes sometimes is a couple of bad decisions in a row, even if they are made with bump the aid of alcoholic beverages to change the trajectory of your life from being I don't know, maybe even the next voice of Monday Night Football, a massive potentially voice in social justice, if I'm sure was something that Richard Sherman had definitely thought about. He he cares about a lot of things publicly. I know some people get mad at him about that, but he's so passionate and opinionated, you would think that that was an avenue he could go. I don't know if all of the doors have been closed for him permanently after this, but, Bump, certainly some have been. And that's... That's disappointing, and that's selfish of me to think about that in a day where clearly his family is going through a lot, and we care more about his family and about his well-being and all of that, and we're thankful no one got hurt. But that is something that I think about next afterwards because the guy is just someone that I really enjoyed listening to speak.
0: Yeah, I mean, because we've, we've, we've dissected what has happened in the last 24 hours or so. So naturally is okay, what happens next for him? What's going to be next? What could have happened next for him? And, yeah, I, I I could see this guy on Monday Night Football talking. I could see this guy doing all those things that you mentioned. And I still think he can, Paul. I just think that what do you have to do? You got to step back, work on yourself, fade to black for a little bit, and then, boom, hit the scene running again. You know, we've seen – and that's the thing about America. They We love some athletes, man. We love athletes. I mean, athletes, actors, we put them on a pedestal, and we're going to give them opportunities. Uh, whereas the the normal dude might have ruined his life, probably couldn't get a job again, You know, got fired from his job. This is on his record. He's looked at a certain way within his family. Um, again, one of the perks of being an athlete is that if you get yourself right and you show that you're working on yourself – he, I think he can still do all the things that he wanted to do. It's just on a different timeline now. It's probably pushed back a couple of years to whereas if he would have retired this year or stopped playing this year, hmm. boom, he'd be on TV ASAP.
2: It's different, though, because it's a different level of profile. I mean, Ryan Leaf obviously has gotten plenty of second chances, but where has Ryan Leaf's profile gone to? It seems like there is a set ceiling on it. And I think for Sherman, there will be in a lot of different elements. And it's also something that's always going to be brought up now whenever you talk about him. This is a unique enough DUI where we got a lot of behind the scenes that actually weirdly humanized it, those 2911 calls. Maybe not in the way that we wanted it to be humanized, but definitely makes it seem a lot different than your routine DUI stop. And maybe. Praise on our heartstrings a little bit more in our affection for Richard Sherman here. Hearing his wife what she was going through, just thinking that things are so bad for him where he would be feeling that way. But I I do think that some doors are permanently closed, not all of them, but but some, and that's unfortunate for him, even though it is his own doing.
0: It's him. It's decisions. It's all about decision making. You know, just like on the football field, he was great at making decisions. Do I drop down into this deep third? Do I play this crossing route that's, that's, that's coming my way? Do I help out this flat defender? You know, same thing in life. Every day you make decisions. That's all life is. I try to tell my kids all the time I'm like, dude, you're going to make 100 decisions today. I'm like, try to get 70 of them right. You know what I mean? You're going to make a bunch of mistakes, but try to get most of them right. Um, I don't know what doors are permanently closed. I don't think, I, I, honestly, Paul, I don't think any doors are permanently closed. I think there's going to be a chance for him to bounce back from this. Um, I think he can be an example now. I think he can probably do even more good after this because now he's he can say, I lived this. Look, these are the mistakes that I've made. All right, you guys will make your mistakes. The, the rookie symposiums that these guys have to go to as rookies. Um, yeah, maybe there are doors that, that, that have been closed. I don't see them, you know, maybe because I don't know what he wanted to do after football. But I also see an opportunity for him to help out even more because now he is a living example of being at the top, hitting hidden, hidden bottom, and hopefully finding a way to climb himself out of this. He certainly could be, I don't know, an advocate for mental health down the road. Uh, I would imagine that
2: this is going to cause him to look at himself in the mirror and think about the things that he can do to just physically help himself, which is going to be necessary. Obviously, there's a lot of speculation about what he could do next, and I'm going to save anything in his private life for him and his family and whatever yeah. they are going through right now. And I do think it's fair to assume that, just given the way that things were described yesterday on the, um, by the police department when they spoke about it. I think when they accidentally said ex-in-laws and you saw Ashley Moss, Richard Sherman's wife, take issue with that. Maybe they heard something along the lines of that this is a relationship that is working some things out. But whatever the case, from a public perspective, what do you do next if you are Richard Sherman? 2.30, he faces a judge. I would imagine he would have an opportunity to speak. Bump, if it's right after something like this and you're in his shoes, if I'm in his shoes, what should we do here? Would you come out immediately and say, hey, here's what happened? That's probably what I think I would do. I think I would be as just open and transparent and honest as I possibly could be and hope that some people empathize because there are going to be some people that just don't listen to what you say, period, and are going to look at you through a different prism the rest of your life.
0: Man, I think first and foremost, it's about your circle you communicate with them mm. you know you you have conversations with everyone who was involved and who's been affected by this you sit and you talk to them man and you hear them out you don't only talk you listen because they have the sober eyes in this situation they were watching this thing go down and yet they didn't they didn't paint a picture of you being a horrible person because they they know who you are they stood by you through this whole thing right so i think you talk to them first and then once you feel comfortable in this Enough. Then you come out to the public and there's no timetable for that week, two weeks, three weeks. I mean, the longer he waits, the more people are going to speculate and and want some information from him, some type of communication, interaction. But it's on your timetable. Like, don't let us force you into coming out and saying something. It's when you're ready, because that can do more hurt than good sometimes. If a person isn't ready to talk about some stuff and he hasn't he hasn't um, just settled in with his emotions and how he feels about it. I mean, it's going to sound forced. It's not going to feel genuine. So whatever makes sense to Richard Sherman and his family right now is what he does. Us, the media, the public, man, we're down the road. Whenever you one hundred percent come holler at us. 100%. I mean, this is something that he could
2: table absolutely for now. And and hopefully this is a good learning experience for him because if you don't learn from something like this, and then, I mean, obviously this could, get, this could get even worse. And we could be talking about something story-wise that's even – more sad than this today. Someone's texting in, oh, Paul, you're sounding emo here. Well, I mean, who isn't disappointed right now? Maybe we shouldn't put some of these guys up on pedestals and bump, as as we talked about before the show, make them out to be these superheroes, but it's hard not to, isn't it? I mean, I, I, yeah. I would say, as, as a kid growing up, I thought that, specifically, Drew Bledsoe, Wazoo Great, was basically Batman, Superman, whatever. And, you know, as time goes on, you learn things differently. And I remember there was an incident that he had in, I think, 1997, 1998, where he was at a party and he and a couple of other people, they like jumped out into the crowd and they injured some people accidentally. And then you look at these people in a slightly different light, but they're obviously not asking for it. It just seems to be a natural byproduct of athletes and uh, actors and celebrities where you are made out to be something you're not because... The constant public image that is seen of you is something that looks just so put together and like what everybody probably deep down inside, even if they're not willing to admit it publicly, wants to be, if that makes sense.
0: Make, makes complete sense. I, I, When I was in high school, I hung out with like six guys. You asked all of us what we wanted to do. Professional basketball player, football player, baseball player. That's just what yeah. most boys I hung out with wanted to be professional <laughs> that's athletes. That's what I
2: wanted to be. And, I, and, I, and then <laughs> good I good job I by up, you.
0: You got there. I I, I had a, I stuck my toe in the in the water. <laughs> um, and then you know I grew up in West LA, so then you know a lot of my other friends I want to be an actor. You know I want to be a movie producer. <laughs> you know like that's just how we're kind of programmed to think we whatever we see the most of is kind of like that's what I want to do and you make a lot of money doing it that's what I want to do so when you see somebody who's living out your childhood dream and doing it at an extremely high level you just admire them I feel like it's natural for humans just to admire people who are doing things that you dreamed of doing as a kid but with that comes a lot of responsibility you know what did Charles Barkley say I'm not a role model you don't want to be but you are There's a kid with with a poster up in his room of you who who says, You're my favorite player. This is what I want to be like. Um, Is it fair? Probably not, but I can understand why we view people or we naturally put those type of people on pedestals.
2: Michael Bumpus. I'm Paul Gallant. Danny and Gallant, 710 ESPN Seattle. We raise flags, we throw flags next. From the pocket and flags everywhere. Flag on the play. Now there's a flag down. Every morning at 9.45 with Danny and Gallant. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. If the noise persists, the defense will be charged with a timeout. Flag on the play. Last chance to dance. Danny and Gallant, 710 ESPN Seattle with Michael Bumpus sitting in for Danny. It is that time. We throw flags at things we don't like. We raise flags to things that we do like. Who's going to go first? It's not going to be
0: me. I'm going to throw it. Oh, you want to go first? All right, Michael Bumpus. I'm throwing a flag. The Dispatcher in the Richard Sherman situation. Yes. She, I mean, it was like, it was was her show. It wasn't someone who needed help. It wasn't someone who was in a situation. It was like she just wanted to be in control of everything going on. I feel like your job is to calm people down respectfully and to... Make them feel like everything's going to be okay. Even if you get a story and you're like, oh, this is all bad. But in that moment, your job, I feel like, again, I didn't write the the handbook on how to be a dispatcher. But I would assume that your job is to keep calm, reassure the person on the phone that everything's going to be okay. Help is on the way. I just didn't get that from the lady. I don't want to sidetrack
2: from the real Subject matter of the story, which is Richard Sherman and all the things that he did that got himself in that situation. But yeah, and I don't know what the job's are, the job day to day, moment to moment life of a 911 call dispatcher is. So trying to empathize a little bit, maybe you are going to be just naturally an impatient person, but I'm pretty sure that she did more in that situation to slow down. The gathering of necessary information to figure out what was happening, where it was happening by acting the way that she did. It was very snooty. And snooty. that's that's not something I would want and if you compare it to the second 911 call that the man who we believed to be Ashley Sherman's uncle made a much calmer, more respectful dispatcher that time around. So I know some people are going to be like, well, it's the dispatcher's job. Eh, they did not need to be.
3: No, she was straight up combative in trying to get that information. Like, it was not. I understand they need to get information, but the way she was doing it was making it harder.
2: No doubt about it. Because
3: it was like, you're not answering things in the way I want you to, so I'm going to keep cutting you off.
2: And what did she think was going to come out of it, too? And I'll, I'll give Ashley Sherman a lot of credit for maintaining patience there. I would not have I feel like I would have hung up or said something <laughs> that I regret. Yeah. All right, Mora, it's your turn to raise a flag, to throw a flag.
3: I have a silly one I told you guys about during the break earlier when I was scrolling Twitter. Uh, I'm throwing a flag on uh, apparently this Brooklyn artisanal ice cream maker named Van Leeuwen who uh, made a craft mac and cheese flavored ice cream.
0: Listen, yeah. I.
2: I don't want to I don't want to assume too many things but it's times like that where I remember that quote from <laughs> Austin Powers. There's two things I can't stand. Intolerant people and the Dutch. And I see that van in front. Listen, you're you're making you're you're making a huge mistake here. That is not that is not possibly good, right? We're talking about something sweet. It's supposed to be sweet, am I right? And I have bad food takes, but <laughs> where where yeah, do they you don't
3: even like cheese, so you can't really.
2: True, but I mean, how is this going to work, right? It's sweet cheese.
3: Are there pieces of macaroni in the ice cream? Ew. <laughs> the
0: messed up part is I gotta try it, man. <laughs> even though I know it's gonna be disgusting. I have to try it though.
2: Oh, do you really want to try that?
3: Okay, yeah. I'm looking at it, and it is like that orange color.
0: <laughs>
3: Maybe it's
2: supposed to look like mac and cheese, but it doesn't actually taste like mac and cheese.
3: No, they collaborated with Kraft Heinz. Oh, God. Yeah.
2: So it's going to be like (laughs) Kraft cheese and ketchup flavored ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) So classy. That's disgusting. All right. uh, I am going to raise a flag to baseball. We have not touched on this subject a lot. I feel like we should. I feel like we need more maybe information on it, but baseball's investigation into Trevor Bauer and the sexual encounter that he had a couple of times that got extremely violent was disturbing to say the least. And baseball basically took their sweet time in Mason in, in, in saying that Trevor Bauer can't pitch and we're going to find out more or, as this investigation continues, but baseball actually did the right thing here and extended Bauer's leave of absence from baseball. It's been strange that people have not been jumping on Bauer the way that you would think somebody would over some of the accusations that have been levied against him because it's terrifying. The guy was extremely abusive and he is essentially claiming that the person that he had these sexual encounters with wanted these, but... I mean, in one of the texts, he's saying, oh, did I give you a concussion? So it's absolutely horrible. Baseball needs to actually do something about this. They have been, I think, rather lackadaisical and half-measured when it comes to the punishments that they have given people that have done some really heinous things. I'll roll this Chapman, uh, a guy who I covered the acquisition of in Houston, Roberto Osuna. There is a certain point where the fist needs to come down on these guys if they are going to act this way and I'm glad that baseball seems to at the very least be thinking about a serious punishment for him. That story is disturbing. A lot of thanks to go around for today's edition of the Danny and Gallant radio program. To Jerry Depoto, who stopped by earlier, gave us some good news today. Thank goodness that Jared Kelnick is going to be joining the Mariners tomorrow. To Maura Dooley, who produces the show every single day. And Michael Bumpus, who has been absolutely fantastic the last couple of days. Bump, Thank you so much, man. Talk to you soon. Thanks for letting me crash the party. Holla at you. That. Michael Bumpus, everybody. Little Blue 42 with Michael Bumpus tomorrow? Yeah? Yeah? All right. Let's do it. I am Paul Gallant. Up next is the Paul Gallant Show. We're going to continue to talk about Richard Sherman, his arrest yesterday, all that we know, and what might happen next. Don't go anywhere. It's seven ten ESPN Seattle.